She looked forward to the occasion for a variety of reasons, not the least of which being that she would finally be free of her father's unpredictable and seemingly unprovoked rages. She did not begrudge the Marquis of Hadley his right to stress the value of social esteem and her part in securing it. It was the harsh manner in which he redressed her shortcomings that she deplored. Hester made a sound suspiciously like a snort. Those are our pater's words. And the dominant view of the world at large. Who would know that better than you and I? Their mother's ceaseless efforts to bear the Hadley heir had cost her life. Hadley had been forced to suffer through another wife, another daughter, and five years before finally seeing the birth of his precious son. I do not believe Tarly looks upon you as a breed mare, Hester said. In fact, I think he has a tendre for you. I would be fortunate if that were so. However, he would not have offered for me had I lacked a suitable bloodline. Jess watched as Benedict chastised his younger sibling for his rough play. Michael Sinclair looked sufficiently contrite, but Alistair Caulfield looked anything but. His posture, while not overtly defiant, was too proud to be remorseful. The three males made a riveting grouping, the Sinclairs with their rich, chocolate-hued tresses and powerfully lean frames, and Caulfield, who was said to be favoured by Mephistopheles himself with his ink-dark hair and devilishly attractive features. "'Tell me you will be happy with him,' Hester entreated, leaning forward. Her irises were the same brilliant green as the lawn beneath their feet, and they were filled with concern. Her eye colour was a trait inherited from their mother, along with their pale tresses. Jess had taken their father's grey eyes. It was the only part of himself he'd ever given her. That was not a lamentable circumstance, in her opinion. I intend to be. There was no way to ensure that, but what point was there in worrying Hester needlessly? Tarly was their father's choice, and Jess would have to become accustomed to it, whatever the outcome. Hester pressed on. I want neither of us to leave this world with the pitiful relief our mother did. Life is meant to be savoured and enjoyed. Jess twisted on the marble half-moon bench upon which she sat and placed her needlepoint carefully in the bag beside her. She prayed Hester would always retain her sweet, hopeful nature. Tarly and I respect one another. I have always enjoyed his company and discourse. He is intelligent and patient, considerate and polite— and he is an extremely fine specimen of a man. One cannot overlook that. Hester's smile brightened their shady location better than the sun could have. Yes, he is. I can only pray that father will make an equally handsome choice for me. Have you set your cap for a particular gentleman? Not entirely, no. I am still in search of the perfect combination of traits that will suit me best— Hester looked at the three men, now talking with some seriousness. I should like a husband of Tarly's station, 
but with Mr. Sinclair's more jovial personality and Mr. Caulfield's appearance. Although I do believe Alistair Caulfield is likely the handsomest man in all of England, if not farther reaches, so I will have to settle for less in that regard. He is too young for me to assess in that manner. Jess lied, eyeing the object of discussion. Stuff! He is mature for his age, everyone says so. He is jaded from lack of guidance. There is a difference. Though Jess was plagued by too much restriction, Caulfield suffered from none at all, with his three older brothers taking up the expected roles of heir, military officer and clergyman, there had been no role for him to fill. An overly doting mother had only worsened his prospects of learning any responsibility. He was infamous for his risk-taking and inability to walk away from any bet or challenge.